these were pictured as sort of um, shadowy figures. I like to call them shadows. What's the actual word shading? What is that? Um, it derives from a passage in the Numbers 11, 8, I think it is. Numbers 11, 8. Where, um, and it's a reference to cakes. The word is for cakes. It's like, it's like something like this, lashad, or something like that. That's where it derives from in the Torah. Um, but besides that, it's just the word for demons. Shaddai is in there, yep, and it's spelled exactly the same as if you don't want the double U, it's Shaddai. Um, but it's, uh, it could be related to that as well. But uh, the derivation that I found in Marcus Jastro was from Numbers uh, 11 8, I think it was. I'll look that up. Um, so that's a shade, and those are in the Torah. Um, then um, there is Azazel mentioned in the Torah. Now, when it mentions Azazel in the Torah, it's very vague. Um, I think it's like this. Azazel. No, uh, <laughs> right, but that has that L at the end too, right? So. Um, Many, there's a d disagreement about, I think, I think maybe just one, uh, anyway. Um, so many people disagree about what the Azazel is. Does everybody know the story of the Azazel, the goat for Azazel? Yeah. Yeah. One of the goats, Azazel. Yes, right. Oh, so, that was a goat, yeah, yeah. A goat, some say he's a goat demon of the desert. Right, so some people say it was a demon of the desert. Some people say it was actually a cliff, there was like a cliff. That they that they jump off of right? mm -hmm. that it was actually a, a geographic location, oh, not a okay. not a demon itself. Um, there are different derivations of what it means, um, but it becomes a demonic character in the literature from the rabbis, everybody, scholars. You know, they have their derivations of things, um, and uh, so that's Azazel, which a appears in in Torah. There's also Malak. Right there, and then and then you start to get into to gods of other nations, right? Which are uh, in the later and rabbinic literature associated with demons. So Baal, uh, Asherah, maybe. Right, but but in the Torah, it's the connection's not really made there very very clearly. So, and then there is, uh, in the Tanakh, once you widen it up to Tanakh, you have some other, you have some more variety here. You get um, this first instance of the word Satan, uh, which is Persian in, in origin. Uh, the Persian mythology, I'm not 100% clear exactly what, what it was about, but, um, that it, in Persian mythology, it was a, an accusing, a prosecuting angel uh, or character, being, right? Um, they, the job of the Satan would be to prosecute you, like in a court, um, and go after you. And it's pretty much the same in Jewish literature, right? In the book of Job, 
Um, we have this famous conversation between God and Satan. God and Satan, and God um, says, hey, have you seen my friend Job? Because you see my servant Job, he's so great, you know, and then Satan says, well, if he didn't have all this stuff you gave him, he wouldn't be so great, right? That's kind of the role of the Satan, right? Um, and the Midrash, right? And the Midrash, the Satan, this is not in the Torah, but in the Midrash, the Satan uh, is constantly challenging Abraham. Thank you. I didn't know she was here. Oh, hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for letting us in. Okay, you, uh, so you guys missed uh, introducing ourselves sorry. and a little opening chant. Hello, sorry, uh, everyone. So uh, would you guys like to say your name and why you're here? Can you join the circle? You guys? Sure. You want to go first? I'm Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> and I'm here to learn from Rabbi Ben. I'm Sophia, and I don't really have a reason I'm here. How about that your dad's teaching the phones? <laughs> okay, thank you. Did you play on opening night with you and that there She did play. Yes, how beautiful. It was lovely. This will be off the boat. Okay, thank you. I'm going to get you up to date in about 30 seconds. Thank you. So I told this story from Alistair Crowley about a man on the train who says, he has this box. And it's covered. And the man on the train, uh, another man on the train goes up to him and says, what's in the box? He says, it's a mongoose. He says, why do you have a mongoose on a train? He says, because my brother fell in a pit when he was in the war, and he got covered in snakes. You probably know the story, so I didn't yeah. it too before. Right? <laughs> um, he got covered in snakes. And, and this is to protect him from the snakes. And he, and he says, but they're imaginary snakes. And then he opens the, the box, and he looks in, and it's and it's empty, and he says, well, this is an imaginary mongoose, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the imaginary snakes are the demons, and hopefully today we'll maybe get a little idea of how to make our own imaginary mongooses. Um, but I'm talking a little bit about the history. Torah In the Torah, uh, you have this term, Shade, Azazel, um, and then Satan is in the book of Job. Uh, and Satan is this prosecuting attorney, um, and he is seen as somebody um, who is there to constantly challenge you. There's a midrash about Abraham, how he's constantly challenging Abraham. Uh, and, and there's another midrash, one of my favorites, about how uh, the Satan comes to Sarah after, um, well, while Abraham is on the mountain with Isaac. And the Satan comes and he says, uh, you know what your husband just did to your son. He just killed your son. Um, and that's kind of his, he's like challenging her and making her upset. Her, and that's what kills her ultimately and why she dies and her spirit leaves her body. Um, and, but, right, if you go back to the book of Job, Satan is a servant of Hashem. Satan is related to God. Um, and say that again. I missed that sentence. Satan is Satan is in, in relationship with God, a servant of God. Right. It, it, he's only doing uh, sort of what's under the purview of God. All of these powers, 
in Judaism are subservient to God. And they are all servants of God. We do not have the sort of dualism you see in some other traditions where there, there's a battle between the dark and the light. And the, No, these, these, pre these creatures, these characters are here to, to challenge us, to teach us, to... to did you have something to say? Yeah, go ahead. To challenge us, to teach us, to get us to, to move to the next level in our lives. Right? Um, they are there for our souls. Um, you know, even, even the Yetzer Hara has, uh, Yetzer Hara, which by the way is really associated with a demon, um, even the Yetzer Hara has a purpose. Right? There's a great midrash about the rabbis that they take the Yetzer Hara and they lock it up in a jar and they try and, and keep it you know, away from everybody. And what happens is chickens stop laying eggs, people stop building bridges, things stop being created. Um, right? So the Yetzir actually is very necessary. Uh, speaking of the Yetzir, there's a, a beautiful passage from, beautiful, interesting passage from Baba Batra 16a. I feel like I'm like a crazy person writing on a wall, you know, like in this. <laughs> you were never allowed to do this as a child, so do it now. That's right. That's right. 16a, and he said, and this is, Reish uh, Lakish uh, says, Reish Lakish says, the Satan, the Yetzer Hara, and the Angel of Death, are one and the same. Anybody have any thoughts on that? I, I, I did quite a lengthy paper at one time on the role of Satan in the high holiday liturgy. And the part that interested me the most is the Hineni that you find in the more traditional prayer books and not even, it's been extracted out of most of them, where, where the, the cantor comes in the beginning of the service and, and, and prays that he'll be able to pray, that he'll be a good shaliyah tzibur, and that the satan won't stand in his way. And I was always thinking of this satan standing in his way as his own inner demons, also his own yetzahara. Oh, or do I have a beautiful voice? I'm gonna be up there in front of everybody singing. So that would be standing in his way or his own feelings of inadequacy would also be an, an inner demon that would be gnawing at him, so it would be enabling, disabling his ability to be a shaliyatsibur. So I, I, this is how I would translate this, in it, without you know, the Hebrew words, right? I'd say uh, self-doubt right, exactly. or slash fear are base impulses. And our drive towards death. Why that? Are one and the same thing. <clears throat> I would use the word thanatos, right, which is the opposite of eros. But why the drive towards death? How are you understanding that? Well, the angel of death. Right. Maybe you could say your feelings about death. I mean. You could say your encounter with death. Um, 
but I see, I see it as a sort of, sort of a nihilistic sort of thing, right? When you're full of self-doubt, it's, it's, a, it's a fear, it, it's like a fear of death, you know, it's a sort of a fear of, of not having control in the world, right? That there being no meaning. I mean, that's I see that, like the nihilism, the death, the darkness, yeah. In like a Zoharic um, context, I think it's fair to say that uh, there's this notion of, um, I'm drawing partly from what I learned yesterday afternoon, there's this notion of the abyss, right, home, and um, that all the, the demon, demonic forces can uh, like dissolve back into the abyss and then congeal from the abyss. And so I think that's another way to understand it, that they're coming from the same place and they can go back to the same place. Right, I, and I, it's great. I, and I, I think it's also I'm trying to deal with this question, right, of this drive towards death, this Thanatos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there's something about our fears being intimately connected with... Um, an existential threat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an existential threat of, of a sort, right? So um, I talked to Sophie before she left for camp. She said she was afraid, and I said, "Well, actually, it was before that that I taught about this." But I said, "It's your, it's your, it's your lower brain, it's your amygdala, right, that makes you afraid, right? And your amygdala that makes you afraid also is gives rise to your yetsahara, right? It's this sort of lower base self, and it's no coincidence that demons too, like the satan, are associated with the earth, with the sort of like the lowest levels." Of the of the realm of the of the of the spirit realm, right? They're they're seen as um, sort of a uh, okay. Um, I'm gonna pause. Did you have a question? Well, I just you know from looking at it from Kabbalistic, everything is light, and anything that's not light is is blocking the light. Then that's the darkness. And what we need to do is transform the darkness to light. It's all a continuum. That's kind of how I understand it. Is that right? <clears throat> I wouldn't say it in such a dualistic way, right? That even these dark creatures that are far from the light yeah. are are still part of God. Yeah. 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 Right. So I would I wouldn't say there's something separate. That's all the only thing I'm afraid of. Oh, no, I didn't say right? separate as part of a continuum yeah. of light yeah, and dark. Exactly. And when we're in those places of fear, right. it's we like, allow more of that in. It's like the four worlds, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. And the demons are, are definitely on the bottom <laughs> of the rung, right? And they're also if on the spherotic chart. Um, now, if you're going to get into Zohar and Kabbalah, yeah. right? They're on the left side. And actually, um, actually, they say in some Lurianic literature from, from Isaac Luria that from Gevura or Dean came a whole series of other ten dark spherot. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Right, and this and and this is Gevura or Gabriel, right? The angel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. But the dark side of this is something called Samael. Mm-hmm. Which then you have the Dedekun astrology, or astronomy, where you have the black hole that, 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 that sucks the light in. 
Right, and, and Gavura is very much that, right? So, so black hole is like Gavura out of control, right? Right, out of whack, right? Um, and, that's, and that's what Gabriel turns into, right? And today I'm gonna be talking a lot about the demons, uh, and, and every single demon that I, well, not every single one, but many of the demons that I talk about have sort of a foil, right? They have sort of a, a light side version. So I'll talk a little bit about Lilith today. Right? Lilith has Chava as the light side foil. Uh, there's the demon I'm going to talk about today, Ashmodai, Asmodeus. Right? As Ashmodai has King Solomon as his foil, like his, his other part. Um, uh, but you know, I could go on and on, but pretty much every demon that, that I'm going to delve into in depth today has a sort of light side. Right, and this this goes back to, I think of this also as the English word for demon, um, which is also Rachel talked about this associated with, uh, I think this is how it's spelled, daemon. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Right. So the daemon was like the muse. Um, right. The daemon wasn't seen as this um, demon. It was sort of a a spirit that attaches itself to you and helps you. Like, it, uh, uh, there's a great talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, TED Talk. She talks about inspiration, and she talks about it as if there's this thing coming over you. Right? And she goes back to this, and she says, this is actually, they, they had the word genius back in the mm -hmm. day, right? The word genius. The exactly. The right. So again, it's the same thing, right? It, uh, there's a dark side, but there's also a light side, right? The light side is, is that it can help you. Well, right, because yeah. there's the, was, was the light side not designed as, 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 a, as a protective field so to, to, to counterbalance that which was so threatening? Is that, was that the function of it? Yes, and, and I think it's also designed to keep human, humanity on the right path, you know, and to, and to make sure that uh, we... Um, we don't stray too far, um, and that our souls don't get too um, bound up. Um, what was the word? Bound, bound up. We started to talk about Samael. Yeah. Do you want me to say more about? Oh, let's hold Samael. I'll get back to Samael. Okay. Uh, Norma. Um, the demon I'm working with right now is worry on a large scale and uh, the worry is uh, when, when is that something might happen for with this or this or this and it's heavy as we've been talking about and I finally come to, to think but you know, I've been asking myself why do I need this what's this heavy stuff that comes at me and because well, part of it is reflective of being in my senior senior years of having us, and um, but but another part of it is that has come through when I ask myself, why am I doing this? What's what what what? And the answer I've just been getting recently is to learn from it and get past it. Mm -hmm. To 
and that's a full-time job. That's, my, that's part of my goal today, and that, that's hopefully what we'll be doing in the second half, is sort of facing some of these demons. You bet. And I think I have one of the demons, we're going to be doing exercises for three or four demons, if we have the chance, four, if not just three. Um, but one of them that I have in mind might be helpful for you. So stay tuned. So don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Captive audience, right? So there's a whole host of of demons uh, in the rabbinic literature. Um, so when you get into the rabbinic literature, that's when Satan gets fleshed out. Azazel becomes most assuredly a demon. There becomes a whole pantheon of shedim, right? A whole a whole um, family of demons. Uh, and then you get this other word now, mazikim, which are, uh, it comes from like nezek, like uh, to cause harm to somebody. These are the harming demons, mazikim. Um, and then you get uh, some demons that are associated with angelic names. They're, and these are generally called Malachi, Chabalah, not Kabbalah, Chabalah, all right, harming, harming angels. Right, so now, in the rabbinic literature, this is where we start to get some of the midrashim about where the demons came from. And the first story that's told about where demons came from is from Pirkei Avot. And it says that on the sixth day of creation, Bein HaShemashot, at, at sunset, God was creating all of these souls that he was going to put into bodies. But the sun was setting, and he had to stop working. So he didn't make them bodies. And so... From then until now, there are these bodiless souls that are wandering the earth. And these bodiless souls that are wandering the earth that were created on the sixth day of creation became the demons. Now, they say that some demons have physical form and some don't have physical form. Many of them are invisible. Some of them are visible. Now I can take this metaphorically, we can go there, but I'm not gonna go there right now, all right? I think metaphorically, if you wanna take it, I'm gonna go there. Mm -hmm. I have two hours. <laughs> <laughs> right, so metaphorically speaking, um, there are some demons that you can see and some demons that you can't see. Right? You might have a demon in a person who you really have a conflict with. You can see that demon. That's not quite what the folklore is talking about, though. Right? They're talking about like invisible demons versus actual visible, visible demons. Um, and so they say uh, these demons without bodies are the invisible demons. So where did the demons with bodies come? Sir, 
Well, there was like 138 years, they say, that Adam and Eve were separate from each other. And during that time, Adam and Eve both had relations with uh, demons, with these bodiless spirits, and uh, gave birth to a whole pantheon of demons that are half human, half demon. And many of the demons that we that we study that that they mention in the Talmud are these demons that are half human, half demon. Where is that in the Talmud? Um, I don't know the exact reference. Because that would be so fascinating to me. You could just Google it. I, I, you know, I might have the reference here, but I, okay. I'll look for it. That sounds so, so cool. How did, how did they get that number, and why were they separated? Or do they give any explanation? I, you know, I, mafia for the it's number? a midrash. Um, I don't know. There's definitely right. stuff there. I didn't delve too much into it. Uh, wow, um, that's so cool. But you can, I'm sure, maybe yeah. you could do some research and yeah. let us know. <laughs> right. Um, so the demons were created in that way. Um, I'll give some physical descriptions of the demons according to the Talmud and Midrash. So they say that female demons have no hair, and male demons have hair. They say that demons have webbed feet. Female? Female have? Female have no hair. But what, yeah. what about the feet? They both have webbed feet. Yeah. Oh. They all have webbed feet. Right? And so I'm going to. In a mi couple of minutes, I'm going to tell the story of, of Ashmodai and uh, King Solomon. And the way that Ashmodai is discovered, finally, is somebody looks at his feet and they see that he has the webbed feet. Um, ah, the demons in, in George McDonald's stories all have webbed feet. He probably got that the from... Goblins, the goblins all have webbed feet. He probably got that from you know, some folklore oh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they say, so this is the other thing that they say, and which I think this has bearing on this kind of idea of the foil, like the dark side and the light side, and every angel has a, has a, or sorry, every demon has a counterpart that's kind of an angel. Um, right, so, um, one second, tracking. So, um, the dark side, the light side, I, I lost my train of thought. I gotta, I'll get back to that. Um, so, oh right, this is what it is. Right, they say that every every demon has some characteristics that are human, and some characteristics that are angelic. Right, so they're sort of half human, half angels. And so they say they have wings and they fly around like angels, but they eat and they drink and they procreate. Unlike angels, angels don't eat, angels don't drink, angels don't procreate. Right? The demons have this aspect of the physical, like the, the lower brain, you know, lower, the lower world, but they also have this aspect of, of spirit within them. Um, and so that's, to me, that kind of exemplifies this dualistic notion yeah. This idea of, of those who have no bodies, is that where we get this idea of being possessed? 
by a demon that was the, the possessed body, by a demon. Yes, that, that the demon is looking for a body to because it, it, it needs a body to be able to eat, drink, procreate, or whatever. Right. Yes. Yeah. That so that so you're talking about a dibuk. Or no, you're not talking no, about no, a dibuk. Actually, talking you're talking about a demon. I'm talking about a demon. Right. Um, yes. Right. That's right. They say they say that when you're not pure, right? Which is part of why I was like, you know, people who are really really believe this is like literally true might might not come to this seminar because um, you're not supposed to. In, uh, open yourself up to these forces mm -hmm. because if you're not pure um, they are attracted to an empty space they're attracted to mm -hmm. uh, sort of uh, impurity tuma mm -hmm. right and there's a great story about Chaim Vital from 16th century Tzvat and Chaim Vital was asked by his colleague Eliyahu Davidas, who is the author of the Rishit Chochma, amazing ethical Kabbalah book. He was asked, why don't we make amulets anymore? And Vital went to his teacher, Isaac Luria, and he asked him the question. And Isaac Luria said, well, there's two reasons. The first reason is the traditions about how we write the names are, are forgotten. We don't really know anymore. And if you get them wrong, it's not a good thing. Um, that's number one. But number two, which is germane to this topic, is that... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought again. Uh, um, not enough sleep. Well, we don't have amulets. That we don't have amulets. Oh, right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, so the second reason... Uh, is that uh, you need to be pure, right? Uh, and, and there's one impurity that we can't purify ourselves from anymore. Which is contact with the dead. Which is contact with the dead, right? Um, because we no longer have the ashes of the red heifer. And the ashes of the red heifer uh, purified from that tumat hamet. Thought that whole thing, but you need the demonic, you need the just the death, the death and the destruction to preserve life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, it's an ex exorcism ritual. Oh. Right, and and it's interesting. It, it, so go ahead. You're gonna say something. I was just gonna say. Well, really, we all use death to preserve life. I mean, we harvest plants to eat them. We yeah. slaughter animals to eat them. That's the. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the whole circle. So. I don't think that we're that far removed from that. We all need to kill something, even if it's a plant, to eat it. Right, well, the second part of what he said is you have to purify yourself with, with the ashes of red heifer, which we don't have anymore. And he said the man who, who makes amulets, who, who's successful, who doesn't attract negative forces and demons to him, um, he's friends with the angel of death. He uses this weird turn of phrase. He's friends with the angel of death. So I think that, that speaks to kind of what you're saying, that, they, that you have to have a certain relationship with death. Um, and by the way, the angel of death is another, is another demon, um, right, that's associated with Satan. But it's like a sacred executioner. 
I know, I know, I know, I know. You need the sacred executioner, like, like if you need to sacrifice one person, like if there's been a drought someplace, and then need one, one person needs to be sacrificed so that it will rain again. In, in primitive societies, hmm. still, some, there are still places who do this today, and usually it's the king's son who is sacrificed, and one shaman has to sacrifice him. And of course, he's revered because he saves the people because he does this sacrifice, and he's hated at the same time, hated and feared because he sounds like a rabbi. Because he's <laughs> I think that's pretty clearly not a Jewish thing. It is a Jewish thing, absolutely. The akedah is, is part of it. Yeah, but not doing it anymore. Not doing it anymore, but it is. But the akedah will get better when it gets But it's right. I mean, so. I see it sort of as, right, they, they, if I can go into the paraduma just a touch, right, the paraduma, they say, ba paraduma le chatera chet ha'egel, right, the, the, the paraduma, the, the, gold, the red heifer came to repair the sin of the golden calf. So I think in a way, the paraduma and the egel are sort of another of these du dualities, right, this dualistic pair, right, that the, that the, that the paraduma is a sort of light side of the golden calf. It's the, the fixing for the, what happened with the golden calf. Um, Yesterday, Shafa said that the paraduma is the mother. The mother, I, I heard her say that. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. How does that affect this other teaching that I know, which is that, that the paraduma was, was um, atoning for the, for the sin of the golden calf. Um, it's very interesting, right? But. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. It, I think that 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 what you mentioned, mm -hmm. and the transformation of it is kind of what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. right? Like that that sort of uh, like a death cult, right? But right, we have these impulses. We have the evil impulse. We have the impulse. Um, give me some. Is that for me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, so we have the evil impulse. We have the satan. Um, they're all in, they're all inside of us, and our job is to transform them, right? And 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 I think it's the same thing with this impulse to death and the death cults and the, right. It's to it's to transform these impulses, right? Now now you can go now now I'm going to get into some deeper stuff, right? Like the goat for Azazel, according to Kabbalah, is uh, is kind of giving the devil its due. Right? It's, it's, it's distracting the Satan so that people can be forgiven on Yom Kippur. Right? And they say the same thing about the Shofar. Right? Blowing the Shofar distracts the Satan. Right? So, um, I think, Mick, uh, right? so I think the word Satan is 364 in Gematria. One, one day less than the, than the days of the year. Correct. And there's one day of the year that the Satan does not rule, and that's Yom Kippur. Yeah. Right? And so, same thing with, right? So Azazel is sort of a way, the goat for Azazel is a way of kind of taking, you know, re recognizing that this is inside of us, recognizing that this is a power in the universe that needs to be grappled with, not trying to destroy it, this power that's inside of us, not killing it, not getting rid of it, right? This is why I, I'm not gonna have you um, kill your demons today, or get rid of your demons, because these demons are part of us, they're inside of us. Um, 
what my hope is is to transform the demons to to a more positive, helpful um, character. Now I'm going to get in for just a second into um, rabbinic literature on demonology. Um, their rabbis talked to demons all the time, <laughs> at least according to the literature. Right? They're constantly interacting, talking with demons, uh, conjuring demons, adjuring demons. It, it was not it was not seen as an asur thing completely um, in rabbinic, in the Talmud, in Midrash. Well, what did they use? Not seen as asur. Asur. Right, so the demons were uh, a part of their everyday life. Um, so, for example, there is uh, this passage, I have it here somewhere, from the Talmud about a rabbi Joseph. It says, I don't know where you can. Give everybody the reference. For some reason, I don't have it. So I'll just tell you about it. So there's a passage where uh, uh, Rabbi Joseph, uh, Rabbi Yosef in the Talmud, um, is they're having a whole halachic discussion, and Rabbi Joseph uh, says, "Oh, I was talking to." Yosef the shade, right? Yosef the demon. He said to me, and what the teaching is, there's something like way out there. He says, when you're out, when you're out alone at night, uh, and you're wandering the streets, if you hear um, this demon say one and one is two, you're supposed to hold out your thumbs together like this, and 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 say, and then two plus one is three. And then the demon will say, well, three plus one is four. And then you'll say, well, four plus one is five. And you go all the way up to 101, and then the demon explodes. <laughs> and that's what Joseph the Shade told Joseph the rabbi. Right? And again, Joseph the Shade, Joseph the rabbi. Right? You have that duality again. Right? The, light, the, the, the demon and the daemon. Right, so demons were not seen as something to be gotten rid of, to not be used, to not be invoked. You know, you have these whole incantation bowls. Oh yeah, I have a picture of that. I I I felt this time I saw one of those in reality because I read some of them. Yes, that. So, so there are. What I like to call, I like to call them demon bowls, actually. Um, here's an example. This is from late antiquity. This is meant to trap the demon Lilith. Oh, they buried them upside down? Like yes. That ritual? They would okay. bury yeah. these bowls upside down, and they would trap the demons in the bowls. I feel bad for these uh, archaeologists mm -hmm. who found these bulls and they're buried in the ground and turned them back up and all the demons are coming out. I don't know. The, the cool thing is they found them buried near the doorsteps of the house. And what do we do with the bride nowadays? We still carry her over the threshold to keep her safe from, from the demons. There you go. So, is this so? Is this so? But how do you get 
But how do you get the rabbis who are not, is, is it not that they're trying to explain the world around them that they can't, the, the things that they can't see they're trying to explain. If someone comes from a latrine and gets sick, what did they know from bacteria? They said, well, there must be demons. So they said there were demons in the latrine, and so you weren't allowed to bring holy scripture in there, although some people did bring holy scripture mm -hmm. into a latrine as protection from the, from the demons. Right. Is, is this, what, how much of that is in play, or how much is something else in play? I think it, that's in play. It, it, but it, yeah, it's about the unknown, about fears, right? I think that's part of what's in play. But it's also, but I think in general, you could just say in general, it's about it's a it's filling in gaps mm -hmm. with the unknown, right? Um, but it's also associated with our base impulses, right? It's also associated with the azazel. Right, that you're sending a goat to keep this this Azazel at bay. Or it was seen as there were forces uh, in this universe that were out to get us, um, and it was an attempt to have control. Right. But was it just in the zeitgeist? And we see these things even in Christian literature, where where where, where these demons, where, where where Jesus exercises the demons, and they go into swine and jump over a cliff. Well, this is all very 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 Jewish. Pictographically, you know, jumping over the mm -hmm. going over the cliff, like Azazel being thrown over the cliff. So, was it just in the zeitgeist, or were the rabbis thought, would they think of themselves as some kind of shaman who could talk to demons, or was it normal to talk to demons? I, I think that ab absolutely the rabbis were like had to, were like shamans. Mm -hmm. I I hundred percent think that, um, especially the ones who did Maser Merkaba. Right. Well, they, had, they had white magic and they had black magic. Right. So if you look at the Maase Merkava literature, they're going from from heaven to heaven, and there are these gates, and they have to say the right magic word to get through the right, right. gates. Right. Um, and and this was their practice. Right. I mean, there's a deep practice of Maase Merkava that they say that actually they used to put their head down on the ground. Um, it's actually very similar. From the way that I picture it, right? They they call it Yarde Merkava, mm -hmm. right? The people who go down into the Merkava, which is exactly what they do in shamanism, mm -hmm. right? They go down into, they it's called tunneling, right? They tunnel down into like these other worlds, right? So in a way, they were sort of shamans. Okay, now a funny story is coming to mind. I'm just, I'm kind of just riffing, guys, so it's I'm funny. just having fun. So, um, could somebody just let me know uh, what time it is? Okay, great. Five after ten. Um, so, all right, where was I? I was going to tell you a story. Tell a great story. Funny Something story. Shaman, tunneling, ground, shaman, tunneling, tunneling, ground, into the ground. I don't know. Lost train thought. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, that's what happens when you don't get enough sleep. The demons took it. What's that? The, the demons took it. The demons took it. Well, <laughs> it doesn't fit in the cosmology. <laughs> no, it does, actually. It's my Yetzirah. So, where are we going to go from here? Right, so, there are many other demons in the Talmud uh, and in the Midrashic literature. I think the most important that I should mention right now is Lilith. Um, Lilith, story of Lilith, 
is that God created two beings out of the ground, one named Adam, one named Lilith. Um, God said Lilith is subservient to Adam. Lilith said, uh-uh, I'm not going to take that, right? I'm not going to be subservient to Adam. So she runs away. And the story goes that God sends three angels to retrieve her. And the angels' names are Sanoi, Sansanoi, and Samangalof. I'm not kidding. They sound like Muppets, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, here's a picture of Sanoi, Sansanoi, and Samangalof. These three characters right here. I'm going to take a look at that. I ask you a very, just a serious question. The origin of the word Lilith, no, the origin of the word lullaby. Because mm. I had a teacher of, of blessed memory um, Byron Sherwin, who insisted that the word lullaby comes from Lilith Alai. Lilith go away. It could be, I never heard that, but and, yeah. and I look at you look up you look up the etymology of lullaby and it always says, Oh Lulu, 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 loving the child to sleep. But then you look at the texts of lullabies and they're always terrible. They're always violent. <laughs> Is there a connection there? Oh, here's a bigger one of Sansnoy, Sansnoy, and Samalu. Right, well, there were so many. I mean, I would not be surprised. I don't know for sure that that's the case. But I wouldn't be surprised because um, women and, well, people have been trying to protect children from Lilith for thousands of years. Um, right, so let me finish the story of Lilith for those who might not know the whole story. Right, so Lilith, Lilith, Ran away. God sends Sanoi, Sansanoi, and Samangalof after her. And Sanoi, Sansanoi, and Samangalof find her on an island by herself. And they say, You have to come back. And she says, Nuh uh, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back to be subservient to Adam. Forget it. So the angels go back to God. And God says, Okay, since she won't do what, what, uh, I asked her to do what I said. She needs to now um, be punished, to be cursed. And so the angels go back to her and they say, "You're now. You are now cursed to every day have a hundred children, and every day have those children die." And so these are another, this is another derivation of where the demons come from, that they are the children of Lilith. And added to this is this idea that Lilith uh, steals children in their cribs, right? She's the explanation for infant crib death. But she also seduces men in their sleep. I've said we have a nine-year-old in the room. Right. And so, so demonic children also come from that union. This comes from the Midrash? This comes from the Midrash, yeah. Um, it's not in the Tanakh. <laughs> And it's not in Lilith magazine either. Mm -hmm. It's a different version of Lilith there that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. Right. 
That's right. That's why they, you know, claim her and they, she got a bad rap. But she did get a bad yeah. rap. She did. But yet she also represents something very dark and dangerous and something that we as a people were really afraid of for many, many years. Right? We had these things that happened to us, like our child dying in a crib. How do you explain that? You know? Um, they still can't really explain it. And so they would tie a red string around the crib, or they would make, okay. they would make. Well, in Arabic culture, they rub the newborns with salt because salt is what to keep the demons away. They would. That's right. That's another one. They would make these. This is an amulet for protection against Lilith. That's why it has Sanwe, Sansanwe, and Samangalof on it. Uh, I have another one. Might as well hand these out now. Um, this is another anti-Lilith amulet that they used to hang over children's beds to protect them from Lilith. I'm going to give you each one of these today because of the exercise that we're going to um, engage in. It's good to have a little extra protection. So. Um, yeah, everybody can take one of these. We still use amulets, even though they are reset not to use amulets. We have the Khamsa, we have all kinds of Yes, we still we use, use amulets, and especially in the Mizrahi tradition, oh, right? right? Okay. Um, uh, and there's a great story about the Baal Shem Tov, that he was handing out these amulets, uh, and a rabbi came up to him and they said, you're not supposed to be writing amulets. What are these divine names? You don't know how to write the divine names. And he opens up the amulet. He says, it's not divine names, it's my own name. And he's written his own name on the amulet. Oh, what, what is this thing about the, 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 the blue eye that you see all over, a Hamza that you see all over in, in Arabic culture, that the color blue is supposed to keep away demons and this evil eye that... I'm not going to get into that right now, very in much depth. Uh, but the color blue is associated with heaven and the sky oh. protection, right? Uh, here's another Lilith amulet from Kurdistan, and this is very recent, right? That's from 1900, and we still and people still. People still, uh, people still, people still use the red strings, right? If you walk around in Jerusalem, sometimes you'll run across the women who sell the red strings, right? Yeah. People still go to people for cures and protections. This is during Bereshit. It's before Bereshit. So you're talking about the Midrash, right? We're not talking about the Torah, because I said it was not in the Torah, right? It's in the Midrash, right? And it's about Bereshit, yeah, right? So I think it's actually related to the Midrash of where it's, it, because it says in the Torah, male and female, he created them, mm -hmm. right? In that moment, yeah. Right, so, before, before so that means that God created two beings out of the ground, not just one, right? There's a different, uh, there's different totally other Midrash that God created a hermaphrodite, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I had I, I could right. have, teach a whole other class on that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not, um, but uh, but in this case, right, Lilith is the other being that God created in the beginning. Right. That's their explanation for this male and female God created them. Right. Um, and so I think, and we're going to get into kind of our imaginary, imaginal world exercise in a, in a couple of minutes. Um, and what I want to emphasize in that is that every demon sort of has a, a core teaching to it. Um, right? So, the, so Lilith, I see as the teaching is about creativity and generativity. And Lilith represents this sort of stunted creativity, this unfulfilled generativity, this inability to create. Right? She keeps creating all these creations and they keep dying. She keeps having all these children and they keep dying. Right? And her foil is Chaba, which means life. She's the life bringer. She's the one who's like the ultimate gener generative character in the Torah is Chava, right? She's the mother of all creation, of all humans. Right? She chose to leave. She said, I don't want to steal. Like the, I've read a lot of Midrash about too, and like that's the teaching, like, yeah, they're like, God's like, okay, so I better not give women so much free will. Let me make this one out of his rib so she feels attached to him forever, you know, and won't leave. Because right. the teaching, you know, Right, that so if gave, that if you gave women yeah. complete volition and free will, they would not stay in a male-female binary relationship. They would take off and rather live on an island. Than <laughs> really? Well, that's yeah, no, no, this right, is a lot of midrash. It's not my. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with it. So I've read a lot of right, and I mean, so it, and then I think it's also talking about relationships, like you said, but it's also talking about the creative process. Yeah, right, and and how and that that. You know, as a as a as a creative introvert, I would love to be alone all the time, um, but I need to interact with other people. You know, that's mm -hmm. part of the creative process is human interaction. Mm -hmm. And if I'm sitting by myself on an island, right. writing, you know, or doing whatever, writing, playing music, eventually, it, it's not it's not going to have the meaning. You know, it, 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 and I'm gonna not going to be able to create. Right, if I'm just sitting there by myself, right? creation is, a, is an act of community. Yeah. It's part of being in community. Yeah. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. In the early stars of Torah, the women were not able to conceive. You know, Sarah and Rachel. I mean, how does that connect? Is that any connection with the demons or not? I mean, I don't know any specific midrashim that talk about the demons with conception in the, in the, in the Perhaps there's. I never saw Midrash that. about Lilith yeah. with that, um, but you know, I, I think it goes along with the, these things that they couldn't explain. Uh, you know, yes. that they're like infant crib death, like like not being able to conceive, right? You have to, and then you go and you try and find reasons for it. Thank you. That? It's a literary genre, being barren and right, yes. Oh, oh, okay. Literary genre. Sorry, you. No. Thank you. Great. Um, all right, so I'm gonna. So I have so much more to say. Um, so I just want to go through a few uh, more demons, and then I want to do this exercise. I'm gonna have a little bit of a break, and then do this exercise. 
So one demon that I just mentioned in passing, which I think is really important, is the demon Ashmodai, Asmodeus, written in whatever English. Uh, and there's this amazing midrash about Ashmodai and King Solomon, King Shlomo. And the Midrash begins with King Shlomo wanting to build the temple. And he has to cut the stones for the temple. But he doesn't have anything sharp enough to cut these huge stones for the temple. And so somebody says, I know of this creature called a Shamir. Shamir, Shamir. And if you find this Shamir, it's like this little creature. Uh, if you find the shamir, uh, the shamir, you just put the shamir on top of the stones and the shamir will cut the stones for you. Because the shamir has this very uh, sharp beak. You can cut the stones. And so he said, how am I going to find the shamir? And they said, well, no, I don't know where it is. Nobody knows. So they capture two demons, a male and a female demon. And they chain them together um, because they don't like being together. That's an interesting commentary on the, on the male and female on the Lilith thing, right? That the male and female demons get chained up to kind of punish them and to torture them into revealing the location of Ashmodai, the king of the demons, who knows where the Shamir is. And so they, you know, this is like one of those long stories that like I could tell my children at night for like hours, right? But I'm not gonna go in you know through the, all of the details. There's a lot of just a beautiful midrash. Look look it up. You know, just Google Shlomo and Ashmodai. Um, uh, but so eventually he finds Ashmodai and Ashmodai tells him how to capture the Shamir who happens to be with the woodpecker. Um, it's a long story as I said, right? And then the Shamir comes and, and, you know, they cut the stones and everything, but they kept Ashmodai captive in chains ever since he asks him this question. And Ashmodai stays with King Solomon until one day, uh, King so-, so one day um, Ashmodai tricks King Solomon into letting him free of his chains. And takes his ring. Right? The Solomon's ring is seen as having a lot of power. Um, and Solomon, by the way, there's so much literature, magic literature about Solomon and mm-hmm. demonology. There's this book, The Testament of Solomon, which is an awesome, like, book of you know apocrypha. Sol- Solomon talking to demons and angels and doing all these magical, mystical things. And he could talk to animals and you know so. Solomon was, was not just a normal old king. Right? So Solomon uh, had this ring, he takes off the ring, he, and then he takes Solomon and he flings him to the other side of the world. And that is why Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. Right? Because if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it says vanity of vanity is all is vanity, right? it's all emptiness, it's all, it's all nothing, it's all... Right? Back to this like Thanatos impulse, right? It's all meaningless, it's nothing. Um, and, and part of what he says in Ecclesiastes is, I was king in Jerusalem. I was the king. But there's this implication, he's not the king anymore, right? So 
you see him walking around uh, in the Midrash from town to town becoming a traveling pre preacher. Right? So King Solomon becomes a traveling preacher and my sense of it is like years that pass and nobody notices that, oh sorry, this is the other part of it, uh, Ashmodai transforms himself into Solomon, into the image of Solomon. And nobody notices the one thing he can't transform, which are his webbed feet. And, then, and there's a little piece of it where it says that one of the handmaidens saw the webbed feet and had a suspicion that it wasn't Solomon, but they weren't listened to. Um, and so Solomon makes his way back. Finally, he, he encounters Ashmodai. Um, he shows him the webbed feet. He shows everybody the webbed feet. He says, I'm really Solomon. Um, he takes his ring back. He banishes Ashmodai. And, and that kind of like is a really brief uh, synopsis of that story. Um, but again, right, we have this, this foil image. We have Solomon and we have Ashmodai. Is the same shortage of Shadim uh, Ashmodai is the same? Um, Ashmodai is spelled. There's an olive in there, actually. Something like that. Um, it's not the, really the same root as, as the Shindon, right? It's different. Um, so, but again, you have this foil image, right? You have Ashrodai, and you have Solomon. And I read this, you know, I said, as I said, I think every story has... Every demon story has a teaching for us, kind of a deeper teaching. And I think this deeper teaching is about power. Um, right? Solomon, it was like hubris, in a way. Like, I'm going to go find this mythical, magical being to cut my stones for my temple. Right? And if you look at the stories of Solomon, it's, Solomon's not such a great guy. No. <laughs> Right, so he, right, whereas in the tabernacle, in the, in the desert, when they build the tabernacle, uh, it says they all brought free will offerings and it was too much and they said, give it back. And they built the temple, or the, the Mishkan, right? And it was this kind of communal effort with everybody together. And it was this, you know, kumbaya thing. Uh, when Solomon built the temple, it said that he used slave labor, forced labor, forced labor to build the temple, and he taxed people up the wazoo to get the money to, to build the temple, to get the pieces. Right? And so this Midrash goes along with that and says, not only that, he went and he found this mythical, magical beast, and he, and he captured, he thought he was so great. He thought he was so powerful. He thought he was so um, in charge of everything in the world that he could capture the king of the demons. Right? That, I didn't mention that, by the way. Ashmodai is the king of the demons. Mm -hmm. right? And so this, to me, is a story about charisma and power and the misuse of charisma and power. And he had to be humbled. He had to, he had to walk the streets 
homeless to learn that he wasn't so powerful, that it's all Hevel, mm. right? That you're Hevel, right? You know, look on my works, Ye Mighty and Despair, Ozymandias by Shelley, mm. right? The poem that says that uh, uh, there are these trunks of legs in the, stand, in the sand from a statue, and there's a, a caption that says, I am King Ozymandias, look on my works, Ye Mighty and Despair. Right, he had to learn that he's not so great, that even he will disappear with the sands of time. Right? And that's the teaching, I think, that the deeper teaching of the, of the, of the shade of Ashwagandha's. Um, so I think now, uh, you have the time, anyway, the time? 25. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a five minute break. And I think we're just gonna do two demons, since we only have till 11 o'clock. Um, 11, 15. Oh, then fifteen. Great. So maybe we'll do. <laughs> maybe we'll do three if we have time or two. I just want to give people enough time to, to really explore some of these issues, um, and hopefully I'll be providing you with an exercise that you can do yourself. Exercise. 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 Right. So let's take five. Bio break. 11.30, wait till 11.30. Oh, we have till 11.30? Great. Great. Awesome. So we can do all of my exercises. All right, so let's do five minutes. So this is a break? Oh, break, yes, so five-minute break. So I think that what you're looking at is for the credit classes. I'm okay. Well, I know I read somewhere 11.15, so I don't know. It is 11.15. Is it? Oh. The ones that go to 11.30 are the Aleph A um, oh. coordination classes. No, it's just it's all morning classes there. Another day for the morning. We're not getting ordination. Yeah. Yeah. I can follow it. Wait. And I can feel the piece of it. No, it's there. Yeah. 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 So this isn't working all that well. It's still 11 15. So it's just on the schedule. It says Tuesday to Thursday. Just because there's other people who might have to even like they should learn. Right, exactly. But then over here, we're listing morning workshops. It says 11.30. So, I think you said you're writing. What did you say? I couldn't look down. The demon of major. We're going to do an exercise. 11.15. When we come back for the break, that might help you with some of what you mentioned. But the other demon is to follow you, I can't do anything. But I, just as I said, just this week, I realized I got to get through it. Because that is my habit for my life. That's what is happening. Good to have you. Good to have you. Well, there's like so much stuff that we see in that's like okay. ancient, you know, like literature genre stuff. Yeah, yeah, themes, yeah, and storytelling. There's storytellers, so there's stories travel all over the world in each one. The same themes. Yeah, yeah. like the whole thing um, with both Sarah and Rebecca um, going down to Egypt, and or, or yeah, I think they both go down to Egypt, and in both cases, they, um, husband says, "Yeah, you're going to marry my sister." Right, right. So Do you want to see genre thing? Yeah, yeah those same themes. Thank you. No, I know. We'll just get it ready in case you don't even have to. What's that? It's not all of you. Oh, let's. Yeah.
I didn't even mention about the medieval times, but... Oh my god, yeah. Like, you couldn't even possibly get through it. I know, I know. In the medieval times, it's... It becomes very simplistic, you know? There's all these... Of course, my all these European... Eastern European demons. My friends have it. There's this demon that's supposed to mess up your hair while you're sleeping. No, oh, yeah. It's the one that makes knots in your hair when you're sleeping. Yeah, I don't mean to do that. That's funny. So good. Hi, yeah. hey. you, what? What's that? So good. She said hi. Oh, hi. This is so awesome. I really studied a lot of the little stuff we're going to talk. Should I tell you I wrote a novel awesome. about Adam and Eve? Jack, can you tell me? Do you want to see like it? It's only a novella, too. It's Hold really on, short. No, it's okay. It's really short. It's like a novella, but it's all Lilith, Adam, Eve, but like in a trailer park. Dad, 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 I read a, a children's dad, story dad, about dad, the... Dad, 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 dad. Is it in the one you gave me, or is it different? I don't know. Did I give you my You gave me a book, too. Oh, no, no, no. It's different thing. It's, a, it's very short. It's like a five-page yeah, story. Of I'm like, obsessed with that. It's not surprising. Like, dad? Yes. Will you read it if I send it to you? Can you tell me the whole Solomon? Tonight? You want me to tell you the whole story of Solomon? Okay. Well, the one you were just telling, because you were like, I could tell it as a bedtime story forever. With the, yeah. As long as you get, as long as we start it early enough. <laughs> Maybe I'll split it into parts. <laughs> like episodic. Stay tuned. Next week for Demons with Dad. <laughs> Demons, <laughs> Demons with Dad. Demons with Dad. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to watch Hamilton Love for, like, for what? Because I don't want to do the writing thing. Okay. So what are you going to do? I'm going to, um, I'm going to see Hamilton, like, live on the thing. It's just, she what? types in Hamilton. Oh, on Ra- Rachel's thing? Yeah. Okay. If That's I talk fine. too much, just tell me to shut up. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Because I get so excited about stuff. I know, me too. I love this stuff. And uh, I didn't even mention Dybbuk's and Ibor's and so much more to mention. But but are the demons, are the demons, these these parts of us that that arise that are like an inner inner task? Are they they the the inner task that arises and then we have the... the, the task that we have to deal with, the inner, the inner, the inner struggle that we have, the the, the life demon that we have to, to to conquer, so not conquer, but to counterbalance in those points. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have this inner demon to wrestle with, what is what is the point of what is the point of our life? That's right. I mean, let's get back to the Yetzer Hara being locked in the in the right, jar. In, in a, what was we had this in the class yesterday that was that was so good in a in a in a. In a too pure stream, no, no fish can grow. In a, no fish are in a pure, too pure stream. In a perfect, in a perfect stream, there are no fish. Yeah, that was what we had yesterday. Mm. A perfect stream, there are no fish. Too pure, pure, in a too pure stream. In a too pure stream, there are no, there are no fish. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's totally. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. The, the, 
the demons are the demons are a reflection of our own darkness, right? They say that they say that uh, Moshe saw through an especlaria dinahara, right? A, a mirror that shined, whereas all the other prophets saw through an especlaria dalanahara. And that's where that's where where, where the this terrible could be but, but but my point though is that that right that what does it mean to look through a glass to, to look through a mirror darkly um, or through a glass darkly it's actually a re- reflection of your own darkness that's inside of you that you're seeing but the terrifying thing for me is when I look at a person, your own ego I, no, when I look at yeah. a person and I see can see their demons I can see exactly their demons what's happening to them I've, I've got a good friend who just whose husband has dementia and she, she, she gave up their house and she's moved into a place where she doesn't want to live and she's very unhappy and because she's very unhappy her kidney cancers come back and it's because the kidneys according to you know Hebrew lore is, is, are the seat of the emotions not the heart but the kidneys are the seat of the emotions I can see exactly what's happening to her I can see it's, and, and you're helpless to take the demons away from her right I mean I but I'm 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 kind of conceiving it in a more psychological sense, right? You, you're putting it into a, a physical right. sense, um, but ultimately, yeah, these these demons are um, are our troubles. <laughs> you know, they're the things that trouble us. They're the things that that keep us up at night. Uh, but they're also our ego, right? It's our, it, it, aspects of our ego, right? Char- they're character traits, right? They say that. Uh, right, I showed how the, the dark side comes out of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Right, so every good sphera has a corresponding dark sphera associated mm-hmm. with it. And it um, there's a teaching from the Degel Mach Nefraim about the seven healthy cows and the seven sick cows from the Pharaoh's dream. Mm-hmm. Right, that they say that the seven healthy cows represent the seven uh, good spherots. The seven sick cows represent the seven dark spherots. How can you do this without getting into a duology? Because they're all serving God, ultimately. Right? They're all under, they're all part of God, they're all serving God, right? Baruch atah Adonai, Elohim al-Chalam, Yotzer Or, Uvarei Choshech, Shalom, Uvarei Ra, right, that's right, so, right, which means, blessed are you God, forming light, creating darkness, uh, making peace, and creating evil, right, God created evil, evil, God created the darkness, the darkness serves a purpose. Read, read, read evil backwards. What do you get, Liz? What do you get? Liv? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So now we're going to do this exercise. I don't. Uh, we're definitely going to run out of time if we don't do it right now. Um. So I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to do beforehand before we do it, so that you're prepared and nothing surprising. Um. I want this to be as comfortable. You know what? Um. The other thing. Where are those ambulances that I hand out? Are there extra copies? Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Did I give them all? This, this one right there. Huh? There it is. Okay, uh, Jamie, I want you to take an extra one for your baby. Oh, thank you. And you could actually put that on the crib, maybe also. <laughs> but also now, um, so I just want everybody to feel comfortable, and I don't want anybody to feel surprised or like this is kind of a safe space um, to explore some inner demons. Um, and as I said, when I started, you don't have to share if you don't want to share. Um, I will give a little bit of an opportunity for people to share. Um, we're going to explore hopefully three demons. The first will be uh, Lilith. And the hope is to transform some places that you might be blocked in your creativity or your generativity. I hope I don't send you into labor. <laughs> it's a little early, so yeah. I'll yes. 45, 35, yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> First child, too, it'll be a while. So. But, so, well. so that'll be the Lilith exercise. Then I want, I'm going to do, uh, you're going to meet Satan the Satan, uh, and this is going to be about grappling with your inner critical voice, right, that part of you that's your accuser, that's your adversary that's inside of you. Sounds like your mother. <laughs> sounds like what? Sounds like, that sounds like your mother. Right. Or father. Or, right, it could, it could be, a, you know, people, could, people have different inner voices, you know, that are from different people in their lives, right? Um, and then the third one, uh, will be Ashmodai, uh, and we'll be grappling with our own uh, charisma, desire for power. Right. So those are the three that we're going to encounter today. Um, there are many others that I have not talked about. Um, if you, I'm offering to all of you, if you want to email me, I'm rabbibenyumi at gmail.com. I can tell you about some other demons that you can that you can encounter. Um, Could you also provide kind of a list of source material and, and, and expanded reading material because this is something I'm deeply interested sure. in. Sure. Uh, why don't we? You, if I email you, you can yes, send me. Yes, or we could just send around a, a, a sign sheet, sign up sheet, and if you want me to send you, I can send you materials. Do you have our emails when you register for the class? Uh, oh yes, I do. That's right. You just have. That's right. Yeah. There, yeah, I have this. So I will yeah. send everybody. Every, well. Does everybody want? Yeah. Please, okay. please. I'll send that to everybody. Sure. Okay, so we're going to start with some protection um, just to kind of establish a ground of health and safety to make sure we're all safe. Uh, we're going to chant. We're going, I'm going to then chant Psalm 91, which, did I hand that out? Yes, which right. traditionally is Psalm for protection against demons. Against demons, correct. Right. Um, so I'm going to chant a little bit of Psalm 91. Um, we're going to chant B'Shem uh, Hashem, the angel song. And um, then I will lead you through a series of guided images. Um, and I will invite you to... Anybody need paper? Everybody have paper? Can you send us the show, Hashem? Can you send us the where to find that? Can you send us email? 
the words for B'Shem Hashem. Is that the four angel poems? Yes, it's the angel song. Yeah. Oh, oh, the angel song. Yeah. So um, if you need paper, there's paper here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to guide you through an image, the imagery, uh, taking you to a spa safe space, encountering this demon, um, and then asking it a series of questions. And after each question, I'm going to give you a moment to write down what you heard from the demon. Um, do you need a pen? I have a pen. Okay. So let's begin. Can we close the door? So this, um, this is just a very simple version of a protective uh, uh, amulet image. Um, and I'm going to offer to you, uh, I'm actually going to ask you to, when you imagine the demon, imagine this dr drawn on the ground and imagine the demon in, in the circle. Um, it, is intended to kind of capture the force and not allow it out. Um, and that's why I've also... What is, that, what is the last one? Vav. Vav. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've written this here just also because I want to just make sure that anything that, anything that enters the room will stay in here. It's just me. Can you tell me what the letters are? Because I can't... Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Heba. That's pretty good. Some guided imagery, and then you'll write down uh, oh. your thoughts.
Hashem Elohei Yisrael Mimini Gabriel Udesmoli Mimini Michael Udesmoli Gabriel Lefanai Uriel Veracharai Hashem Eloi Israel, Mimini Michael, Lesmoli Gabriel, Lefanai Uriel, Acharai In the name of God, the God of Israel, on my right is Michael, on my left Gabriel, in front of me. comfortable. If not, you can leave them open and to breathe deeply with your feet on the ground if you're comfortable. Take some very deep breaths. I invite you to imagine in your mind that you are calm, relaxed, whatever you need to do to be relaxed. If you're not relaxed, just breathe. And breathe into that tension if you have tension in your body. I invite you now to imagine a place that you are completely safe. Completely safe. Comfortable. of power. Give you a moment to settle yourself in that place.
keep breathing as well. Get relaxed in this space. protectors. And each one of us has protectors. In the world of the imagination, the imaginal world, we all have protectors. It could be spirits of your ancestors. It could be animals. It could be angels. Call out to your protectors. these protectors coming to you, surrounding you, supporting you. Greet your protectors. Thank them for being here. you breathe deeply in and out, I want you to imagine that you're breathing in the Shefa and the light of creation. Imagine that light entering your body, radiating out from your chest as you breathe out, and going and surrounding your body like a cocoon, a cocoon of light. to draw the circle that I drew on the board on the ground. circle. And in entering into this circle, you will be bound there. And you will serve us to help us. To help us to move beyond where you were stuck. And in turn, we will help you and transform you. I'm and, so 
descriptions of what demons look like. Imagine Lilith entering into this circle, appearing in the circle. Once Lilith is there in that circle, I want to, you to ask her one first question. How are you a part of me? How are you Lilith? Woman with stunted generativity, a part of me. Personification. stunted creativity and generativity. Listen for her answer. And when she responds to you, I invite you to write down that answer on your paper. to ask Lilith, return to that place in your mind. How have you harmed me in my life? This part of me that is stunted generativity. How have you helped me? How have you served me? Turning to Lilith, we ask her also, what can I learn from you? What lesson do you have to teach me?
question you can ask. How could I transform you, that aspect inside of me that is you, to serve God and my good rather than the other way around, rather than the opposite? Repeat the questions one more time and see if anything else comes up from Lilith before we bid her farewell. How are you a part of me? transform you to serve God and my good rather than the opposite. for the 
she has provided you. And tell her she can go back to the place where she came from. Imagine your spirit guides, your, your helpers, your escorting her away back into the upper realms. When she's gone, I invite you to take a deep breath again. And remember where you are, you're in your very safe place. You're comfortable. You're happy. You're safe surrounded by your protectors. So I invite you now to call on Satan. Satan, the prosecutor. Satan, Accuser. Satan, your inner critical voice. Satan, which is also your Yetzir Hara, and also the angel of death. We invite you into this circle. You will be bound in this circle. our questions and then when we ask you to depart you will depart I invite you now to imagine the satan however you picture the satan entering the circle accusing you of. Ask him. What is his answer?
also ask him how he has harmed you, how he has stood in your way in your life. he helped you in your life? Ask him. Satan, how have you helped me? My accuser. My challenger. So ask him, what do you have to teach me in this very moment? Finally, how can I transform you, Satan, to serve God and my good rather than the opposite?
have time for the third demon for Ashmodai today. But this is exercise that you can perform at home. Um, I'd like to now just leave the imaginal realm. So I'm just going to guide you on a, just a little bit of imagery back to our bodies. goodbye to your protectors, knowing that they're always there for you whenever you need them. Thank them for their help on this spirit journey that you just took. And breathe. Breathe into your feet. Feel your feet on the ground. Be aware of your body. together. something out of that. This is the first time I've done this, so um, it's sort of an experiment. Thank you for being my guinea pigs.
people have asked me in teaching my classes on Jewish magic throughout the years, I had never mentioned that I was studying for my PhD in Jewish magic at uh, Jewish Theological Seminary. Never finished it, but studied for 10 years. So um, in studying and in teaching, people have always asked me, well, do you use this? You know, have you, have you attempted this? And I always say no. Um, and I give lots of reasons as to why not. And I talk about the Isaac Luria with the amulets um, that I mentioned. But um, so this is my first foray into actually applying 10 years of knowledge that I've acquired about Jewish magic. Um, so thank you all for, for being a part of this first experiment. And I hope you got something out of it. Either the first part, both the first part and the second part. Anybody, before we leave, anybody want to share some of their experience? Um, I know we have to wrap up pretty soon, but I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't have a little bit of wrapping up, sharing. Just have one quick comment. I felt very empowered. Because here I was meeting the demons, but I was protected and I was able to get information from them. They didn't have power over me, but I was empowered to deal with them in a way that helped me grow. That's my... Yeah, and that's my hope. You know, that was my hope in this exercise. And it's my hope for all of us that we're able to, to deal with our, our other demons. You know, some demons that really might not have a name, but maybe figure out how who those demons are. Um, and there's there's something about um, names in magic, right? So when you know something's name, you have power over it, right? And so so I've just named these two demons, Lilith and um, Satan, right? And I've named them as stunted generativity and and your inner critical voice, right? So now that we've named them, we can protect ourselves, we can externalize them, we can have power over them, right? And so that, that's the intention, yeah. We can recognize how they are playing out in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And to recognize that you're safe and that it's okay and that, and, and don't, and not to let them control you rather than you control them. Because most of the time they do control us. And, and the bottom, bottom line of what I'd like to say is that, you know, people are afraid of demons. You know, people are afraid of these inner things, so they ignore them. Um, but ignoring your demons, you do it at your own risk and your own peril. Um, so I invite all of you to continue to explore your demons um, and to transform them. Thank you. Anybody else want to say anything before we wrap up? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't do this, <laughs> okay, which is why I can't. I, I don't do this. Right. You know, there's a certain piece of me that um, talk about stunted creativity. <laughs> that you know. So the first half is what I do. I study. I learn. Mm -hmm. I teach. I express. But I don't do um, magic. You know, because it's not real enough. Mm -hmm. So when asked what I was here for this week, it was to let go of that. So this exercise was just perfect. Thank you. I, I mean, really, it couldn't have been a better, you know, talk about um, letting go of the inner demons or transforming. Thank you. Better, better said, 
and and in the work I do that is transformational. There's so much, you know. It's the first step is the recognition, the naming, mm-hmm. and then the transformation. What's your work? I, I do uh, uh, transformational mediation with divorce mediation with couples. This is a useful uh, exercise. Yes, and um, I'm actually uh, entering the rabbinic pastor program. So, so this is all part of. Thank you. Well, I'm so, so I, glad that I you got that out of it. And, and, and I'm, this for me also was moving from the academic to the more practical. Um, so we, we took this journey together. Yeah, perfectly. Anybody else have anything? So while well, you said we were your, you were my guinea pig. So, uh, great. so it was perfect. Thank you. But what one person's religion is another person's in German, you can say it better. Glaube is belief, and other Glaube, other belief, is, 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 what do you call it, superstition. And if, if you look at the idea of magic or this realm, how we view it is something actually quite suspicious, negative. It's like smoking. Like smoking in our society now is looked down upon. Mm-hmm. But there have been other societies or in other in Native American circles, smoking is a very sacred moment. Mm-hmm. And so smoking can be very sacred or smoking can be something that can be very dangerous to your health. So the magical element can be an embellishment to what you conceive as your religious bubble that mm-hmm. you live in. Or what does that make sense? Yeah, and, and, and the rabbis, I didn't mention this, but the but after after the the Talmudic era, after the rabbinic period, um, many of the commentaries started to completely forbid any contact with demons, any demonic, any, you know, but in the rabbinic period, they were talking to demons and they were encountering them, um, but it became very asur, you know, um, for the people even who believed in it, so, you know, they said, don't, don't do this. Um, and we're still suffering from that today. Right, right. and well, I think that's a, that's a consequence of, of the Middle Ages, right? And the Enlightenment came along mm-hmm. and said, actually, you know, we need to relook at some of these things. So, uh, anybody else have anything else to say? Uh-huh. It's who's demon? It's, an, it's another demon from uh, the Talmud. They talk about Baal And I think also but in the Torah, in the Tanakh, maybe Baal Zavuv actually. But it's related to somebody? Like a counterpart, like how Lilith. Oh, you mean, the, who's the counterpart of Baal right? Zavuv? So yeah. I don't, I'm not, you know, I, I have to give that more thought. Baal Zavuv is an evil that is an evil, one like, like, like Satan. Right, but what she's asking is, what's what's the flip side, right? If you have the flip, you know, Satan, you really don't have a flip side in a way, right? It, right, it's it's you, yeah, it's yourself, right? It's your it's your it's your highest self, right? Is the, the, the reverse of Satan. Pause it. I have to think about that. Uh, uh, Sandra, I'll, I'll send you an email. I'd like to email back because I teach Kabbalah. I'd like to. I mean, you have brought some of it in, but I'd like to learn more of what you know and how to connect. This to so My pleasure. Sure. Send me an email. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any way I can get your recording of this? I think it's hers. Oh, is there any way I can get your recording? Yeah. Great. I'll send you. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all so much. Thank you. 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 Th